Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Terrible Book Club. Uh, I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. And this time we have a double feature at the drive-in here. Everyone get your best girl and drive on in for some B-movie schlock, because <laughs> that's that's what we got here. We got two a book uh, that is two books, or novellas, I guess, or short stories. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- This is like a little print, uh, fancy item of printing where one side of the book is one story that's like 150-ish pages. And then you flip it over on the other side, there's a whole other cover uh, with a whole other story that's like 75 pages. Yeah. And the, the first one is Lands of the Earthquake by Henry Cutler. Cutler or Cutner? Cutner. Cutner. I can't tell if those are T's or L's. I'm the, sorry. They're, they're T's. They're two T's. I, the the cross part is very tiny, which apparently this one is uh, some story from 1947. Yep, Cutner was uh, was one of those like I don't know. Obviously, like he wasn't as famous as you know Lovecraft or anything, but he kind of uh, ran a little bit in that mythos that Lovecraft created um, and Clark Ashton Smith and stuff. So he was like a B list uh, weird horror guy uh, of his time. He and his wife were actually both science fiction writers. Uh, this one was published originally appeared in the May 1947 issue of Startling Stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like where, stories that's... that just sneak up on you and give you a scare. Yeah, um, and the other book on the other side. The other book, uh, other short story, because this is a 75 page one, uh, is Under a Dim Blue Sun by Howie K. Bentley. Yeah, um, it's kind of a lame title. I I actually liked the title, (laughs) Um, but Howie Benley is the singer of this band Cauldron Born. Uh, Actually, a really cool band. They're sort of like traditional heavy metal, sort of power metal, but they um, they definitely pump out some cool like epic doom tunes, you know, sort of if you're into that. Uh, I don't know. I just know that like uh, they have one of their albums. um, I think it's actually called like from the cauldron born or into the cauldron or something about cauldrons um they're very soup based metal is yeah very here. yeah a lot, a, lot of, a lot of soup metal yeah. uh no but uh they have this really really sick opening track to this record anyway cauldron born's a cool band um and henry Be- howie bentley sorry sorry henry howie oh, both h's uh howie is the singer so I was pretty excited to read this because uh, my friend Noah uh, and his girlfriend Hillary, they live downstairs from me on the second floor. And then the first floor is our other two friends. So we kind of have this kind of somehow managed to rent this entire building with just uh, just metal metalhead folk that we know. So it's cool. Uh, they uh, Noah and Hillary, like they went to some festival uh, 
there's too many metal festivals at this point. I can't remember which one it was, uh, but they went to a festival and I don't know if Cauldron Born themselves was selling this at their merch table, but somehow they picked it up at a fest and didn't realize how bad it was going to be. <laughs> and so they just like the had this. The cover is a clue. Uh, well, the cover for the Cauldron Born, the cover, cover for Under a Dim Blue Sun is just... I mean, it's hard. It's indescribable, really. There's, it's a, like... there's a, a man in a U.S. military uniform with some kind of shotgunny looking thing. Uh, there's a UFO behind him with a Nazi symbol on it. There is a lady uh, in like bikini armor who is wrapped up by a snake person. Yep. Um, and they are having a confrontation, and the woman seems to be in a lot of stress. Yeah. Uh, so it's very uh, sci-fi schlock. This is cover art done by Panspec, I get is is the uh, credit here. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Is that like some alien, like Panspec? He just does bad covers, like this is what he does? Yeah, he, he probably doesn't want to use his real name for, you know, being associated with maybe some stuff like this. Yeah, so the Earthquakes cover is like a pretty... Uh, like bad painting, but it's not like, it's not bad in the way the other cover is. It's just like bad quality. Otherwise, I yeah. think it would be a fine painting. It's just like... like almost watercolory looking thing with like uh, two men on a horse. One has a night helm. The other one is just like a guy with a mustache and the guy with the, the knights pointing upward towards like the top of a kind of mountain thing where there's like a cliffside trail or something. Ooh, yeah, it kind of looks like if you were like eight years old and were kind of talented, that's what it like. That's the level we're talking sure. about. It's not um, and good. under a dim blue sun reads like if you were 15 and mildly adept at putting a story together. Oh boy. All right. So, yeah, so this is a double, this is a double feature um for episode 31. So, anyway, no one Hillary gave this to me because I was talking about the book club and how we wanted to how we were trying to figure out what to do next and they just gave it to me to cook out and they were like just, just take it. Just, I don't even think they want it back. Like that's how that's how bad an experience it was. So I looked at it, you know, at first I saw the Lands of the Earthquake cover and I was like, all right, this sounds kind of cool. Cause like it's titled Lands of the Earthquake. And then underneath it's like in a sorcerous world where, uh, lands shift and time does not or something a like that. A sorcerous world where space was fluid and time was yeah. not. Is so the I was subtitle. like, so I was like, all right, that sounds cool. And then I flipped it over and immediately was just like guffawed and was like, what the fuck? Because the cover for Under a Dim Blue Sun, like we said, you know, somehow packs uh, American military crap, Nazi military crap, an alien sp like flying saucer, a snake man with a gun, and a lady in bikini armor. Just like somehow all in one frame. And it's just... <laughs> You really got to pack all that stuff in there you get to get people to pick the book up. I mean, you definitely, yeah. if you saw this on a shelf, you'd want to know what's happening right? And pretty I think, quickly. So and it's it, effective in that sense. Yeah, so, like, my theory about under... Well, actually, we should just... Let's just talk about uh, Lands of the Earthquake first. Sure, because this, this is the meteor story. It's, it's yeah. longer. It's got a little more uh, depth to it, I guess yeah. you could say. But only in the way that, like, you know, if one puddle was, like, slightly deeper than the other puddle. I mean, so Lands of the Earthquake by Henry Kuttner, Um, I think that it actually has some really cool concepts in it. Um, sure, I, there was, like, an interesting build at first. I was kind of, like, into it yeah, at the me, start. Me and too. then it, it it takes this turn that just makes it lame. All right, Chris, you wanna, do you want to take us there? Do you want to yeah. uh, okay. tell us so the, the story the, beats? Uh, sure, this begins with the man who uh, lives in New York, I guess, in the late 1940s, much when, like when this was published. Wait, is it New York? Yeah, he's oh. in New York. Okay. 
And uh, he apparently has a lost year where he woke up from a coma because he was just walking down the street one day and all of a sudden he wakes up a year later in the hospital and it freaks him the F out because that's kind of weird. And uh, he has weird memories of a woman smiling at him and he has this crystal in his pocket that he doesn't want to leave. He just always has to take it around with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So the story opens and it's pretty cool because you're like, all right, this dude had amnesia for a year and has no way to recover that information because it's, you know, it's like the 40s or whatever. It's not now. It's not like where you can be like, oh, what was I doing on Facebook for the last year? You know, like you can't fucking... Actually, you're right. That would be pretty effective. If you had like a lost year, you could just look back at all your social media posts and probably piece it together. And you know, you see like a selfie of yourself in the fucking lands of the earthquake and you're like, oh, I was in the lands of the earthquake. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, or tag myself (laughs) in there. Yeah, so By the way, if it's a a land of a singular earthquake, that make it... That gave me the sense that it was one continuing, ongoing earthquake. Yeah, it was, the title is a little weird. But anyway, like, the beginning of the story is actually kind of gripping. You know, like, it's not, it's probably not the best prose I've ever written, but I've ever read, but I was like. It's fine. Yeah, it was fine. Dude's name is William Boyce. William Boyce. uh, And he has this lost year, and then he starts trying to, like. Yeah, and he's like, oh, man, I got this crystal, and, like, putting it down makes me feel uncomfortable, but I can't explain why. I feel like I just need to have it with me all and, the time and then he's drawn to this apartment on some street for like just reasons it's literally just because he was yeah well because don't he's qu- like he's like thinking he's trying to re- he he goes on like i don't know walks or something and is like just trying to remember and he's like man i keep thinking about this apartment like i know that's where i saw her i know that woman like he doesn't know who the woman is and then he just like shows up at this apartment and this guy's Bust, like, and, yeah. The, the guy fuck? into the door. He's like, "What's up, buddy? Are you and selling Girl Scout cookies in. or what? Like, what's what and is this?" He just walks into this guy's apartment. He's like, "I know this place." And of course, that man is alarmed very quickly. Yeah, like I would have, I would have fucking called the police. I would have kicked that guy out of my house. It was weird. He was trying to, but Boyce just powers past him, goes into the basement, which he recognizes as some room he's been in, takes the crystal out, it starts drawing weird patterns on the wall, he walks through the pattern after he finds out it's kind of solid, it's like glass, and then he falls through into another world. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah, and I think the so guy, spooky. and I think the house owner like kind of gave him a pass, because the guy was like, you know, uh, I keep wanting to say Howie Bentley, the author of the other story, as the, I mean, it would be funnier that way, but um, you know, Boyce is like, where, where's like I know a woman lived here and he was like I don't know I like sublet in my house for a year I'm I'm sure that has nothing to do with this and I think, yeah I think he was probably like oh yeah I guess I did sublet it to this lady so like that's probably why you're here right Duh. but anyway yeah William just kind of stumbles into his house and goes like I've been here before and like goes into his basement and I guess from this man's point of view like disappears or something yeah right so that guy had a weird day yeah that guy was like wow I, got, I better stop subletting my house that's, yeah geez. that's why you don't sublet man just yeah, so you, don't sublet just this you're is, asking this you're is... asking for strangers to bust in with a weird crystal and then disappear into thin air yeah you're asking for people to travel interdimensionally in your basement and that like you don't we don't even have insurance for that like you can't even yeah, protect yourself try Please. going to the insurance salesman and be like listen last year what happened is i let this guy or i didn't really let the guy in he just came in and then all of a sudden i have like magic glass all over my floor i know it's magic because it i don't have any windows down there <laughs> yeah right um but anyway so yeah he falls through this glass window into another world and i'm like all right that's cool and then things start getting weird. So, like, he gets 
immediately gets hunted by like the hunter, right? Is that what that guy's name is at the beginning? The huntsman. The huntsman. He immediately gets hunted by the huntsman with what are they? Are they dogs or cats? They're like cat looking things yeah. with vaguely people like faces. Oh my god, is that what ties the bo- anyway, that must that's the hidden key. Uh moving yeah. on. So <laughs> uh he's hunting him with these, you know, like, I don't know, hunting jaguars, you know, or whatever. Sure. And so he runs away and then he Eventually he, he runs is, into like this cool guy knight who's like, I I don't know, asks him something in medieval French and he's like, Oh man, I can understand medieval French. What the fuck? Like, yeah, it's just, like, I picked I guess I picked that one up along the way. Yeah, and it's and like I was appara- sorry, what? apparently this world takes place in like it's a, a dimensional gateway to medieval France. No, no, or it's no, no. A castle. No, I don't I know what it is, but I'm oh. I'm building to it. Oh, okay. It's it's like a detached castle that was taken over by medieval Frenchmen and this castle has somehow become detached from all other worlds and now floats in this like interdimensional soup land of some kind. Yeah, and so, you know, eventually boy you know, Boyce discovers that uh the reason this dude's speaking medieval French is because um they're crusaders who were led astray by some mysterious person when they were trying to get to Jerusalem. Uh, and they traveled for a really long time and eventually realized they were being led astray. But by the time they did, it was too late. And they were like, well, there's a building. And then they like fought people for control of the building and took it over. But they've just been stuck here. So a bunch of crusaders and their families just ended up stuck in this weird. Yeah. Like, like, like you said, kind of like time soup. Uh, cause they, they are unable to get out of it. Um, and they say that like other kind of worlds pass by them when when the earthquake happens, you know, when it happens every once in a while and like things kind of shift spatially, um, but they never change temporally. So like they never they haven't aged since they got there and they've been there for like 600 years or something. They can't even really perceive time anymore. So they're they're kind of yeah. asking William questions about like where he's from and they kind of pick up that he's from a possibly future version of their old world or something like that. Well, yeah, because, because he understands yeah. the French and he, he, you know, he understands references to Jerusalem and places like that. Yeah. And they're kind of psyched because apparently they haven't had a visitor like from their world, like from our world, um, at all, like at all, I guess. Uh, and, Man, I have I just realized another like weird plot hole in this story, which we'll talk about later. But and so right now, or I guess for the last while, they've they've been kind of warring with this sorcerer city who is who is I don't know. They're like the last settlement to like float and then lodge by them uh, during these weird earthquake shifts. So, yeah, I don't know. At this point in the story, I was like, this shit's kind of rad, but I, I maybe wouldn't have gone with like. French Crusaders, but you know that's his choice. That's his flavor. That's his little sprinkle. Yeah, the the uh, weird thing with like just hit that languages understanding each other seems to be kind of like a really weak like oh let's just forget about all this. They can communicate. Yeah, and he and he later realizes, you know, he knows the language because you know he's been here before. But even then, it's like how did you pick up medieval French like that, dude? Like. Even if it was just for a year, I don't think you would be... Very immersive experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean... All the way through the amnesia, it sticks really well. Well, and then my question is, how the hell are they communicating with 
people in the sorcerer town because they are not from medieval France. So like it, it, what? <laughs> like, it says I didn't even later think about on that. <laughs> that like the street people in the sorcerer city have like a patois, uh, like which is like a street language that incorporates elements of the French of the, the, this weird detached French castle. Oh yeah, that's right. But reason. that still doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, like, that, I, that was one of the things in the story. I was like, I don't think you really thought about this, but whatever. especially if they're fighting all the time. Yeah, like. When would they ever have the option to fucking hash out uh, a weird, like, pigeon language? Like, I, I, anyway. So the languages don't make sense. Um, yeah, so he figures out, oh, shit, this is where I was for the last year. But he's like, oh, man, how did I get here? How did I get back? Like, I gotta, I gotta find this lady. This lady's the key. Um, oh, yeah, and the, one of the other stupid things that happens, like, pretty quickly in the book is, like, when he gets to the castle and, like, this, like, night bro dude that picked him up on the road and was like, oh, man, I'll save you from the huntsman. Get on my horse. And, like, they, you know, they go back to the castle. He's like, That's a really good medieval French accent, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, hey, guys, I picked up this traveler on the road. The huntsman was <laughs> trying to kill Sonic him again. I didn't know Sonic the Hedgehog was from medieval France. Is that what I'm doing right now? It's, it sounds a lot like a Sonic the Hedgehog I've voice never, to me. Like, yeah, it's going to go fast. we got to get back to the castle where I've time never, stands still. But I do no. not. So Sonic fuck, the Hedgehog. This book is really about Sonic. I'm crying right now because the reason this is so funny is because I've never played a Sonic game. and I've, I've never heard that before. So apparently, I'm just His naturally voice is Sonic. Pretty, like, gotta go fast. Yeah, attitude. <laughs> okay. Earthquake well, land zone, I guess is. I the, mean, you know. yeah. So this story is really about Sonic the Hedgehog. Is what we, what we discovered. <laughs> William or at least Boyce, this night is William Boyce, Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, yeah. But anyway, so Sonic and there's Boyce other weird get things. to the castle, and there's other weird stuff going on in the castle. Namely, a Sonic the talking hedgehog that's blue and <laughs> is super fast. Uh, no, but there's another guy named Sir Guillaume who is like the lord of the Crusaders that ended up here, and he is Guillaume Dubois or William Boyce yeah. in French. And and they're and like they look ex- they look identical. Yeah, almost, and they're apparently. like, oh fuck, you guys look the same. And it's like, and I was like, oh yeah, that is that's. That's bizarre. Like, okay. I remember thinking, all right, that's stupid. But then they, like, kind of get around to, like, explaining it, sort of. Um, A little bit. So, yeah. So, I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. But there's some, there's, yeah. There's cool mystic-y stuff. There's, uh, there's Tancred the Mage, who's the other kind of major character in, yeah. in the castle. And then there's the Oracle, which is... Uh, I, I yeah, can't this part was cool. Um, so eventually they they bring William in front of the Oracle because they're like, oh, he might be a spy from the Sorcerer City because he looks exactly like Sir Guillaume. There must be some fucked up shit happening with the Sorcerer City trying to get one over on us. Let's bring him to the Oracle. So they bring him upstairs, and there's this cage of fire, and there's a weird like pure white pale lady that is still a stone or actually made of marble i wasn't quite sure if um, it was a metaphor or no actually... she she wasn't really she just looked like she was um, she moves sometimes yeah moves very and talks little. but very very rarely and apparently she's some kind of yeah they call her the oracle because she she knows when people are lying so she's <laughs> I don't know, sort of like a confessor, I guess, from the... But uh, how? But by the way, did they ever explain how uh, she had no. these powers? No. I mean, this is why the story is kind of, like, not great in a lot of ways. Um, so th- this is cool. We're like, oh, fuck, 
this late this like lady statue thing is in a cage of fire and she fucking like tells them if people are telling the truth or not like that's nuts and so of course the first thing i think is like why didn't they ask this lady how to leave like if she's some kind of all-knowing oracle couldn't they have been I like i think it's assumed that they did and she was like nah you can't don't ask me again <laughs> uh no i don't think i don't think they did but um yeah and so so that's kind of cool and of course you know they bring him before her and she's like, no, he's not, you know, he's not a traitor. It's fine. But there is a traitor amongst you. It's that guy that came back from the Sorcerer City and has been sitting in a corner shivering for the past yeah, week. Looking Nothing like he has the plague. <laughs> it, like no one ever looked underneath the, the cloak he had wrapped himself in or something. Because turns out he's a horrible, tall, spindly demon thing instead. Yeah. And the Sorcerer City has been like, there. there's, a, by the way, there's like a, a precedent has been set here that like the Sorcerer City has been capturing people and turning them into monsters and sending them back um as as, well and also just sending back regular spies i guess so they're like always very suspicious if somebody gets taken in the the sorcerer city and like you know then comes back or something but but they let this guy just kind of sit in the corner shivering and well it's because he was like a child right he was like younger i think i think he was a kid it was like thirteen to fifteen. Yeah, probably. so I think that's why they were like, "Oh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't fuck with a kid." Oh, they would. They fucking would. Yeah, it's so, totally fine that he came back from the city, totally different, and refusing to take off. A cloak. Yeah, yeah, really. And so, yeah, so that shit goes down. There's like a fight scene, but the fight scenes are written kind of lamely. Uh, <laughs> this one just kind of happens fast. It's like, oh, they were all fighting him and then they vanquished him somehow. The end. Yeah. And, and it goes, the next thing that happens is this, is this cool scene where uh, William wakes up and everyone in the castle is asleep and only he is awake and he has to go figure out what's going on. So he goes to the Oracle and I, I think she like doesn't help him much if from what I remember. He tells her to he has to kill Guillaume, I think. Yeah, he asks her, like, oh, what's going on? She's like, you have to kill Guillaume, which is just himself, but in crusade times. I don't know. Um, and so he's like, oh, shit. So he goes up to check on Tancred because, the ma- you know, the mage guy, because he's like, oh, man, you know, Tancred will know what to do. And then he gets up there, and Tancred's also asleep, but he's, like, fighting it real hard because he's a mage, and he's, like, trying to push through the magic that's befallen them. And I don't know... I forget what happens. He, like, grabs a magic sword and Tancred, like, helps him fight through the sword. And, like, some guy comes in and tries to kill everyone. I, it's, I don't it's know. Sir, it's Sir Guillaume that comes back in and demands that that Tancred oh, yeah. must die. But he has a weird collar around his neck. And Tancred is helping uh, William Boyce use the sword with magic powers, even though he's, like, half asleep. And yeah. he shatters the collar on Sir Guillaume's neck. And everything's okay and cool. And then yeah. Sir Guillaume is like, oh, I went with Godfrey to the Sorcerer City to execute this plan. And now uh, Godfrey has been... T- he was uh, Godfrey's the Knight Bro, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, Godfrey's Sonic. Sorry, guys. Yeah, that's uh, exactly, yeah. So I Sonic the Hedgehog name. has been kidnapped. Uh, William, you have to go save Sonic now. It's like, oh, all right, I'll get Tails. Um, yeah, so, yeah. They, so even though it's kind of been proven at this point that like going to the Sorcerer City is like kind of not productive they're like well guess we're doing that again like okay uh because sir guillaume has contacts in the city so he's like okay william you're gonna go there and meet up with these contacts and find godfrey and uh good luck i guess he doesn't give him any info and also pretend like the whole the whole gig is supposed to work because they look basically identical um 
I don't know if that's how genetics works, but I, I guess I guess you're yeah. you, I guess you're just a clone of your ancestor from 600 years ago. Um, Every 500 <laughs> years, the same you pops up again. Yeah, yeah, and so. He's like, yeah, it's a, it's a great plan. Like, we'll just we'll just put some some beard on you. We'll just dirty you up a bit, make you look a little older, and you're good. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, I've been. Uh, by the way, I've been pretend. Or I don't know. He doesn't even tell him. No, no, he just sends just William out there, up. and he's like, just meet these people and you're in this cool. place, and everything's cool. And like, so they go, uh, or he goes, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah, just William. Just he just goes by himself into this sorcerer city that has been proven to be horrible and dangerous and uh a really actually a really cool thing happens where there are they are these beings they're called they. there there are these beings yeah. we didn't skip it and they, they are always constantly referred to as they or them as yeah. if they're the illuminati or something but you can't actually look at them yeah so they're so horrible that you can't actually look at them so no one really knows what they look like. Um, and so I, I actually thought that was really cool. And whenever they travel anywhere from place to place, because, I don't know, despite being these uh, kind of like super intelligent creatures, they still travel on foot. I don't know. Uh, and in so, a single file line, apparently. And a single everyone's file line. Very, everyone's very orderly. Yeah. and just. I mean, look, we might be uh, interdimensional hell beings that when you gaze upon us, you go mad and, you know, your brain secedes into chaos, but... We have, we have to travel rules. in a line. We have to travel rules. in a line. Uh, and so whenever they're coming through, they have these little bells that tinkle. And so whenever people hear those bells, they're like, fuck, duck and cover, get inside. Like, it's just like, you know, nuclear bombs may, well, may as well <laughs> yeah. be dropping on the city. People are like, I don't want to have to look at them. Well, yeah, because if you if you try to look at them, like like Chris was saying, you sort of start going mad. So everybody starts running around and hiding, and you know, Boyce is like, "The fuck is going on?" And he hears the bells, and he I think he saw them once before when he first came through, and so he's like, "Oh no, it's it's those things again." And this like little kid is like, "Come with me, sir. I'll save <laughs> yeah. you. Come into yeah. this, you know, yeah, great, but, yeah, it's super." Um, so you know, he follows the kid, even though that's obviously a stupid idea. Um, and but I don't know. Somehow that like leads him to the people that he was supposed to meet anyway, which yeah. was also kind of strange. I don't really know. I guess these people had hired this kid to look out for Boyce, and so coincidentally, he like found him at the right time. I, I don't know. It, it yeah. So this, the, this little girl was like shit. a weird thing. But yeah, he ends up running into like the contacts that Guillaume had anyway. Yeah, but because then, the gr- but Guillaume the girl... sucks and like doesn't even tell him like what's going on. So, so he... he's basically in the middle of like this negotiation because Guillaume had promised them information to uh, get into the castle because he's that, been pretending uh... to be a defector and a spy for the Crusaders, yeah. even though he's their leader. Yeah, I guess they don't know enough about the people living there to know what their right, war right. looks like. But and so they're like, "Come on, man! You, I've been, we've been paying you good for this info. Cough up the info." And Guillaume is just kind of—I tr- mean, uh, William as Guillaume is trying to just wing his way through it. Like, God, uh, it's so bad! It's so bad. You he's have like... to pay me more money first, and they keep paying him more money. So then he's like, "Uh, but I don't want that guy to come." And then they're like, "All right, whatever." And then he's like, "But I," <laughs> he, yeah, he's, he's pulling so shit out bad. of his pocket. And, and um, it's, it's so... I don't have. I came here to find Sonic. Do you guys know where he is? Yeah, it's so sad because he's just trying to get Godfrey back. 
But he walks into this situation that he's just so unprepared for. And it made me think, like, why wouldn't Guillaume want him to succeed? And all I can think is that, like, maybe he really was a traitor? Like, I don't know. Because why wouldn't he tell him, like, bro, this is what's going on? Like, it seems insane to not give someone that information unless you're purposely <laughs> trying to let them fail. You just gave him a pat on the butt and a, a goodbye. And yeah. Said, All right, man, you got this. Don't so, worry about it. So, yeah, I kind of either that was a huge fail on the author's part or Guillaume was actually trying to just get rid of the younger version of himself because he is a kind of he was very aggressive towards uh, William when he first arrived. So I wouldn't be surprised. But anyway, negotiations um, break down pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah, hilariously. And by the way, he's still carrying that crystal that, like, got him into this world. And he, at some point earlier in the story, had, like, remembered the lady's name, maybe? Uh, and No, he remembers it at this moment oh, because okay. he's about to die and that triggers and the he memory grabs, of the lady's Yeah, and he grabs the crystal and he's like, I call upon the aid of... Yante or whatever Wait, no, no, he doesn't. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's what he, happens. He doesn't say, I call upon the... A-. He just grabs the crystal and says her name, which is Irath. Oh, Irath. I thought he said, I call upon the aid <laughs> of Irath. What is this Power Rangers shit you're, you're adding into this? He's gonna... They're gonna form the Megazord. Yeah, I guess. Sonic, well, there's enough people. The Yellow there's, Ranger? Yeah, no, the Red enough, Ranger. She's the Red Ranger. Yeah, Sonic, there, there's the enough Red people Ranger. in here, I guess, for, to make a Power Ranger squad, and he just thought he was at the convention. Because oh. all the people are, like, well-armed, and they have their own... There's a redhead with a whip. There's uh, some oh. boy with two daggers. There's, like, another, like, old guy in the back just, like, giggling to himself or something. Yeah, so... You know, so. It, it could be a... Po- he thought it was a Power Ranger squad. Yeah. You know, honest mistake. We all do this yeah. all the time. We, yeah. we whip out our crystals and we just <laughs> call upon the power of Irath. Yeah, I mean, now you get arrested for whipping out your crystal in public, man. That's true. Like, that's, you want to be careful about that yeah. now. So he just is like, Irath or whatever. I don't <laughs> yeah. know how to say her name. Uh, oh. <laughs> just just like, He's about to die and he just yells a woman's name. I don't know. Yeah, I... <laughs> Well, Have you ever done I'm... that? Like, you're about to get hit by a bus, and you, you just go, Sally, and, like, that's... <laughs> well, that's why I think I retconned it in my own mind unconsciously and thought that he said you, I call you, upon... Yeah, you made it way cooler, Paris. <laughs> I don't know. I think you should... I think you, we should check on that, but you have the book, so... I Yeah, I have it in front of me. I guarantee you that he does not <laughs> say, I call upon the power of... Or I call upon the aid of... Or I, I call upon... I don't know. I thought it was more than just, like, Sarah! Like, like <laughs> while you piss yourself. Sarah! Uh, and this time, in the stress of his danger, a name rose in his mind. He did not know if he whispered it aloud or not. It couldn't matter. Nothing mattered now. Not even the fact that he could speak her name at last. I wraith, he said to himself in a passion of fury and despair. I wraith. And then the whip came down. Oh, god damn it. All right. Yeah, I retconned it for coolness in my own mind, unconsciously. Sweet. Cool. Thanks, mind. Thanks for protecting me from they. From them. Yeah. Because it was clearly that's... their influence. Yes. Um, and so he's like, what the fuck? And so, like, somebody in the room, the dude in, like, the red outfit, the red boots with the whip, like, starts no, helping No, two daggers, two daggers. The redhead has the whip. There's a there's a redheaded man that has the whip, and oh. the, there's a person with two daggers. She's red boots, though, right? 
Yeah, red boots. Because oh, they mention he mentions the red boots at every turn. Yeah, that sorry, that's why I'm getting confused with the guy with the red hair and the person with the red boots. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, red boots starts uh, helping him escape because he was trying to fight people by himself and it wasn't working. And then red boots comes in and then they escape together. Um, and red boots takes him to a boat. Like yep. just a they, random dock that's out the back door. Yeah. How convenient. And so then they get in the boat and they cut away and he's like, oh, man, thanks for saving me, bro. And, you know, Red Boots is like, uh, yeah, cool. We're just going to go back to my lair. Like, uh, <laughs> you know. OK. And so he's like, I don't know. Sure, friend. Um, you know, not really questioning like hmm, this is odd that someone helped me in that room when everyone was about to kill me. After I shouted a woman's name. After I shouted a woman's name. How strange. And so they get to their lair, and Red Boots' lair, uh, and then Red Boots starts changing and taking off their clothes, and oh, guess who it is? It's it's a lady, and her name's Iraith. Oh, wow. It's so cool that she happened to be in that room to save your life at the exact moment you remembered that name of that weird lady. Yeah. So and then and then he's like, oh, my love. Like somehow he didn't recognize the woman he loved in like slight drag, like not even really. She she was just wearing like a hat. hat. Right. She just had her hair in a hat. And that was it. It Like, Like a large plumed hat. And she has some armor and red boots and two daggers. And somehow he was like, that is a man, bro, that I have never seen before. And it yeah. was like, okay. And then, you know, he's like, oh, my love. And they, like, make out for a second. Um, thankfully, it's very brief and not not described in detail. That was a thank you. Thank yeah, you, Henry yes. Kuttner, even though you're dead. Thank you. I hope you can hear me <laughs> from beyond the grave. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a quick make out sesh. And then he's like, oh, so you, you know, feel, I don't know. Has, like, a revelation moment. Yeah. Something's a little different. And she's like, Did you get your tongue pierced? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Does she reveal at that moment that she's evil? I feel like she She gets like a really evil look on her face because he's like, you're not her. Even though she is. Um, (laughs) And yeah, they have this moment where he's like, oh, no. You know, the woman I love is actually evil now. Uh, and I forget what happens at that point. Do you remember? He, he escapes somehow. Yeah, he runs I, away. I think, oh, by the way, I think it's because that little, the, the, the girl that helped him in the first situation is also here. Oh, yeah. She also <laughs> is there. Like, is, and once uh, again, helps him out of this situation. Yeah, even though last time she kind of fucked him. So, like, why would you follow this girl who clearly screwed you the first time? She was working for Iraith, I guess. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense, because if she's the one that brought him to a room where Iraith was, then she would also be at Iraith's palace. But the little girl's like, I'm a slave, and she is evil. I do not like her. Let us go. You know, yeah, she, she... You also have a stunning little girl impression. Every little girl I know sounds like that. <laughs> yeah, like a 90-year-old ghost. Yeah, yeah exactly. great. <laughs> I don't know, man. Voices are just coming out of me, even though they don't make sense. Sure. I mean, it kind of works because these books don't make any sense. Like these sure. stories are really bad. Um, anyway, anyway, so he figures so out he... that his former lady love was was evil now or different and evil somehow, and they run away. And then he gets basically led back into the traps of the huntsman once more. Does that which... happen before he goes back to the castle? He doesn't. I don't think he ever goes back to the castle once he's in the city. No, he does. 
No, right? he doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. I don't know. You well, you read this more recently, so I'll trust you on that. He does not. He stays in the city, and he basically like long story short, after the brown the little girl leads him out, he oh yeah, ends she's up... <laughs> she's like oh just go down this hallway, and he's like all right, cool, and then he's like oh man, this hallway's haunted or something. There's something wrong with this. It's like <laughs> it, there's like a bunch of roots everywhere that look weird. And yeah, she leads him down a random alleyway that's, I guess, next to like the lair of Irath, and he just ends up in the Huntsman's like tents cave. Thing? I don't know. It's like described yeah. as like a tent in an alley or something. Don't know. No, it was like an underground passageway, the roots thing, um, yeah. and like people, he could see like people's faces in them and shit. And um, uh, Sonic actually fucking. Gillard, what's his name? Godfrey. Gifford. God, this, is, God this is this is a later scene I, that you're about to describe. Oh, 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 I thought it was the same. He first, first he is trapped with the huntsman again. He like stumbles into the huntsman's like underground tent lair with the three <laughs> jaguar things just like chilling down there. And the huntsman's like, "I will reveal to you everything that's been going on now." For some reason, to, yeah, I used to love Irath, and she was actually a woman that was the daughter of the king of this city. And then the king of the city decided he wanted to trade with them those things. And so they performed in order to communicate better. They split his daughter in two. Not literally, well, no, but they, like. Well, no, literally they did. I mean, she's. I mean, they did like exists. cut her in half. No, but, but she they, exists as two entities now. Yeah. One is the good side, which, oh, my God, turns out that's the Oracle. And the other is the evil side, which is Irath. Like, tell me how William didn't look at the oracle Ain't and go, Irath! nothing Irace. but a oracle. Tell me how. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I don't even know what you were trying Back, to say. Backstreet Boys, uh, just, or never mind. Oh! Right. Joke fell flat. Wow, yeah. Moving on. It's all right. <laughs> Moving on. So I don't understand how he didn't see the oracle and go, oh, Irath. Like, well, why didn't well, he have the, that... Uh, well, you see, the Oracle has, like, white hair, and Irath has, and, like, it's white hair that's straight, and the Oracle has, like, curly dark hair. The You know, everyone knows that curly dark hair people are the evilest people. Oh, that's right, yeah, because the good version, the Oracle has the white, she's, like, all white. She's straight white hair and white skin and white everything and blue eyes, and evil Irath, yeah, has brown curly hair. Hair, I the color of evil. Uh, evil brunettes, brunettes and brown-eyed people, of which there are billions. <laughs> They're all the evil half of someone else. Yeah, turns out. Yeah. Well, like, where does that I put thought... bald people? Oh, you're like, you're like, uh, you're the balanced ones, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's the truly balanced people. Um, no, and like, I thought the whole subplot. Or the story, rather, about com the communications with them and they and how the girl, how Irath, when she was whole, uh, was, like, super intelligent. Like, she and her dad were, her dad king, were, like, really into um, trying to, you know, figure out what they knew and how to communicate with them. And she's the one that, like, decided to go forward with it, right? And uh, they just didn't think this was going to happen. Like, they had no idea that she was going to end up getting split into two beings. Like, they had no idea. So that just happens. And the, and everyone's like, the fuck? <laughs> and, of course, I'm sure there's a whole a whole group of people who are like, told you not to mess with them. Look what you did. Yep. Look what yep. you did. This is and why. 
I guess why. the Oracle escapes and goes to the castle that the Crusader's in and just decides to live there so she doesn't have to be in contact with Iraith, even though every once in a while they get back together to become the whole person again. Yeah, what the and fuck And it turns is that out shit? that that version, the whole person, traveled interdimensionally to New York to find William to set themselves free or, like, you know, both sides kind of had like, a thing. But, like, why would... Why would she go to New York to get this dude? I don't even I think Wraith they ever explained the that. One, I Wraith was the one that was like kind of like the evil side was like more in control when they merged and she needed a way to get contact with the the castle because she couldn't go there and touch the oracle because that's what the fire cage does is it keeps irath out oh right, right so she needed to get someone that she could use as a spy and she happened to find this the ancestor of guillaume oh yeah and because they looked the same she was like that's my in i could somehow use that oh yeah you're right and then but then uh, you know little did she know good irath the oracle half actually fell in love with him and like, I, they I both know. kind of fell in love yeah, with him yeah. in their own weird way. Yeah, because they were the whole being, and the whole being fell in love with him. So they each have their own version of it, or something. Yeah, basically. By the way, why didn't when when the Oracle saw William when he came back? Why didn't she say anything? God, to I him then. I don't know, man. Like that's why I also was just like, I don't. This, Anyway, so, like, I don't know, story ends, they fucking somehow get them back together, I don't remember how. Uh, Also, turns out the Huntsman is also, like, the evil vizier or prince of the Sorcerer City? He he was was an advisor to the Sorcerer... Jamal? Jafar? J-A-M-A-I. Jamai. God damn it. These names are killing me. To st- yeah, he turns out he was like the advisor to the Sorcerer King, and that's why he was in love with Irath as the whole being, and he got all weird when she separated, and he is some simultaneously Jamai, the advisor, and also the huntsman on the side. Yeah, so it makes me think like he'd probably be the person who would be coolest with her being two people, since he is also two people. <laughs> but apparently that's... No, I he don't know. two peopled after she two people because he was trying to be more like her. He's one of those like boyfriends that <laughs> takes on the characteristics of the person that they're dating. Oh, man. I've well, had, if you're going to be two separate those. people, I can totally be two separate Ugh. people, even though you're in two different bodies, but I have to use the same body for the two people. I'll just use different outfits. I mean, I think yeah. that's literally what <laughs> I'll, he did, I'll right? I'll improvise. Yeah, um, that's pretty much exactly what he did. And so, yeah, that's weird. I forget how they how it ends, but I know it ends with like, oh, he gets the girl and everything's cool, yeah. Uh, but I don't remember like yeah, how. the I the um, he chooses the oracle somehow when they're like about to fight each other, and that gives her enough power to take like become whole and take over the evil part. Oh, yeah. and then he they just leave the, the sorcerer yeah. city after because. Turns out the Sorcerer King was dead the whole time, and Evil Irith was, like, puppeteering him. Yeah, so like, literally, they just leave. his body was just being, like, magic Yeah, puppeted. just sitting on a throne, not decomposing ever, and, like, anytime anyone would approach the throne, Irith would just puppeteer him and be like, oh, don't come any closer, or you'll die, and yeah, no so one Yeah, so what was happening to... in the whole year she was gone? Yeah. Is he just on auto-king? Like, it's just, like... Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess no one bothered to check that whole yeah, year? Like, yeah, I guess, like... They were, they, you know, they, everyone already walked into the throne room once, and they, he told them they were going to die, so, like, I'm not going to go back in there. What if, what if she was able to set him to, like, 
Okay, check the click the box for tell everyone who approaches to die. Good. All right, check and the away other box message, for like basically. Uh, a nighting every mm, four months. Yeah, yeah, three nights a year. Okay, yeah, put them on three nights a year. Uh, let's see. Also, hmm, should we should we have them ask for cups of wine or? Hmm, I don't know. Also have him fart once a week just to keep it, yeah. you know, keep it yeah, light. Yeah, and put keep the farts light. on random. Okay, good. All right. Uh, <laughs> see you see in a year, guys. <laughs> I'm imagining a much more low-tech version where you hear, like, an old-style tape answering machine click and, like, hi, the king isn't here right now. So, or, But that's, that's what you get when you, like, knock on the door to the throne room. They won't let you in. It's just, like, uh, the king isn't here today. Leave a message. After the beep, beep. <laughs> yeah, That's an old so... reference for you youngins when uh, voicemail things used to be a literal tape machine that you had to rewind to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that whole thing makes no sense. And then, yeah, they, I don't know, like the power of love saves them in, and then they leave and they go, go back, back to New York. York. By the way, the Sorcerer City is now just, like, uh, like has no ruler, and the Crusaders back yeah. in the tower are just, like, still fucked. Yeah, so, so there's, like, cares a, about them? there's a power vacuum in this magical city, and then, yeah, these people who helped you the whole time, these Crusaders, like, oh, I know how to get back to New York, but, like, fuck them. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> Bounce. Like, what? So, uh, it's all fine as long as William got laid. The end. Yeah, William had a little adventure and got some pussy. Like, that's... <laughs> Jesus. Who cares about these uh, other entire civilizations? Yeah, fuck those people. They were nice to me. They clothed me. Yeah. Uh, Who cares um, about the end? Yeah, that's that story. The end. So, all right. That's the good one, by the way. That's the good yeah, one. Yeah, that was the good one. Um, I just think, I thought that had some good concepts in it, but it was just not. It just, yeah, it had a lot of, you like, know, convenient Horror pulp. Got, probably got paid by the word, like a, a penny yeah. a word. Yeah, he probably did. Probably less than that. It was the 40s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, it's, it's the Spotify streams of the 1940s. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like 0.01 cents for yeah. every word. Ah, oh, for every word of fucking sparkling surprise stories, get 0.001 penny shilling. I don't, <laughs> penny shillings, yes. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in rare form. Uh, so the next story. Under a Dim Blue Sun by Howie K. Bentley. So I think that's still like a really weird, lame title because it just oh, makes I me th- think of like a dim, you know, area. Not very exciting. Well, so remember how we were trying to figure out how these, sto- like why these stories were packaged together? And sure. so the similarities they have, like, so Under a Dim Blue Sun takes place on a planet that oh, that has a dim, like a dim blue sun and lands the earthquake, actually. The weird, like... You know, the land, I don't know, the lands of the earthquake. It's not what any character calls it in the book, but that also has, like, a constant half-sun. Because, like, it's always sort of, like, hazy out. There's no, like, night and day. So Basically, both... my ideal place to live so I can oh, actually yeah. see. That is perfect for me to <laughs> yeah. actually be able to go outside and see. So, yeah, so they live on the Chris planet. Um, and, yeah, so they have that in common. They also both have anthropomorphic cat men. Uh, but like sure. they also both end with like the hero getting the girl, but like otherwise, and flying away forever. Yep, but otherwise they have nothing else in common. And this story under a dim blue sun is so much worse than Lands of the Earthquake. Like I, it is. good god, it's, it's seventy five pages, so it's like it's mercifully quick, somewhat. Yeah, and a that swift was kind of, death. That was my strategy. I was like, 
All right, I'm going to read the longer one who's by the older, more established author. Then I'll read the one that's probably going to be crap. Because, like, I mean, I look at that that cover. Like we said, I mean, the cover is just the pulpiest thing. Um, I'm actually going to post it on our fancy new Instagram uh, once we're Ooh. done with the episode. So then you can see these, oh, these glorious covers. Um, I mean, just wow. Like, the amount of weird tropes packed into the cover and the story is just astounding. Like, I I actually felt while I was reading it, like, this is a joke. Like, this is something, this is a story where someone was like, all right, how many dumb fantasy tropes can I pack into one story under 100 pages? Like, it might either, be, that might be the case. Like, either that or it's like the misogynistic fever dream of a guy who, like, took too much NyQuil and fell asleep next to his pet cat and pet iguana. Like, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's the other theory because there's lizard men, there's cat men, and like I don't I don't know it. Uh. So our story opens with Captain Erasmus O'Brien has been imprisoned by the U.S. military for punching a dude out who killed his dad or something. Well, no, because he he's also in the military. He's also like yeah. a green, not a green beret, but he's something he, like that. He's, he's something. He's all there's so much like military porn things up front. Like yeah. they all had the olive gray drab uniform of olive. the United States Army, and they were carrying M2 carbines. <laughs> And they looked so soldiery and cool, you guys. Yeah, I mean, this is very much like if if you if anyone has listened to Monster Hunter International, um, our our episode about that, it's kind of like if Larry Correa, the author of Monster Hunter International, wrote a draft for that series, but when he was like thirteen. Yeah, like it's, pretty much. Oh, it's so bad. O'Brien is so American, you guys, and such a tough guy, and he's the best at the shooties. And he, he, he's the best is what he does, so they have to let him out of military prison for one last job for his freedom, which is to steal a Nazi UFO? Yeah, which is to steal. So, like, <clears throat> he's supposed to go into enemy lines, so go into some German-held area, steal a giant spaceship. It's not like it's the size of a car. It's not like a little shuttle. It's like a full-blown... Flying saucer. Yep, that's steal what it, the Nazis made. Steal it by himself. Um, and then fly it where? I don't know if we ever actually He was supposed to fly get... it back to, to the United States, basically. Yeah, like somewhere. I don't know. Roswell, New Mexico, probably. Um and so <laughs> I actually there we're getting to a part of the story I actually like. So he like goes on this mission. And, like, fucks it up royally. And I thought that was great. I was well, like, yeah. like he, he doesn't even fuck it up royally because it's literally, like, there's one chapter. The chapter one is him going, like, okay, we're about to go on the mission. The beginning of chapter two is him at the end of the mission running away. It skips over everything entirely. You thought this short story was about going to be about him going into, like, rescuing this Nazi UFO or, yeah, like, yeah, stealing that's, it. That's what and I thought. it's already done by the start of chapter two. He's already flying away in the sauce are being chased by Nazi fighter jets. Like, yeah. they skipped over that whole thing. Yeah, and the Nazis also, like, disappear because basically, like, they send this guy to go steal this UFO, but he doesn't know how to fly this UFO. They, they literally are like, well, you're a good pilot, so, like, it's probably fine. Like, You'll like figure they, it out. Like, and, and, and honestly, to the writer's credit, it's very realistic in that he can't fucking fly the thing. He's just and pressing random up, buttons. Yeah, just pressing buttons ends up 
pushing it into like super hyper fuck warp drive like, and, and, like because, by the way there is a viking helmet that lets him understand german on the thing or something like, it doesn't it have on. like a nazi symbol on it like the eagle or something yeah it does and it or has horns on it and he puts the helmet on and he can understand the German that the computer is speaking all of a sudden. And it gives him like a reading in kilometers. And he's like, yeah, I'm a goddamn American. Fuck this metric system shit. And it like switches to feet. So yeah, that's yeah. a cool America tough guy moment, I guess. Yeah. And, I, and how dare you use an easier to use measurement system? Yeah, I know. I mean, we Americans, man, we gotta, we gotta get on board with the metric system. But anyway, um, yeah. And, you know, he's like, oh, it's a Viking helmet. Like. Are, like, are we really still in a world where we don't, where people do not know that Viking helmets did not actually have those two horns on the side? Like, like, really? We're still in this place? Like, still? I just, anyway, that drove me nuts. Um, yeah, Historical so, accuracy is important in my sci-fi pulp about Nazi flying saucers. So, so yeah, so like, how you, dare you? you think this story is going to be about Nazi U.S. military crap, but that is already over. Like Chris said, in the middle of, like, chapter two, like, he accidentally puts the fucking ship in super hyperfuck warp drive, and, like, That's goes... page eight out of 75 yeah. as he does this, by the way. So page eight, he's already hurtling through space. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, and, and I keep wondering, like, what happens if he just, like, warps into a planet? Like, like you know, he's not directing the ship to go anywhere. It's just going. And eventually he does, uh, I don't know, fly into He's, a planet. It, it stops, like, right outside this one planet, conveniently, that's totally habitable for humans. Wait, and the it ship is like, oh, we, we out of fuel, man. You're going to have to stop by to pick up some trithium crystals somewhere. Oh, yeah. Else you, <laughs> yeah. Or the, else you're, you're fucked, basically. The ship is like, I don't know, your cat who's like, meow, 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 I need some food. But, like, imagine if your cat was like, CVS a German has Nazi two flying one, saucer. Two for one meow mix this week. CVS yeah. is a rat. It's point two miles away. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's just really funny that the ship is like, <clears throat> please disembark on planet CVS and pick up yeah. triathium <laughs> crystals for my butt. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> Could I, you pick up some flaming hot Cheetos too? I yes. like them. Also, some cherry coke, if that is still being made on this planet. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's so... It's, it's not called cherry coke, it's cherry glax on this planet, oh, please. fuck you. Uh, so, <laughs> this story is like, I mean, one sent like two sentences in, and I was like, oh, the writing is really bad. The writing is terrible. There are so many... There's, like, weird typos and weird repetitiveness, but only for certain sections. Like you said, like the olive drab uniform gets used like four times in like four pages but then never again because uh, it's the military look and oh my god you guys military guys look so cool in their uniforms yeah it's it's the writing is really really bad i mean we're talking like you know like middle school level writing it's it's not good i don't know i've seen some middle school writing and uh this is definitely a higher quality than some of that oh I'm jesus christ surprised fine fucking high school all right <laughs> yeah like, sure it's not anyway, it's not more than that anyway he disembarks the ufo on the strange planet to go get the uh, uh butthole crystals and the cherry coke or whatever the cherry glax i'm sorry yeah yeah he's getting he's and going he encounters a woman p picking mushrooms and she's attacked by snake men oh no oh but this woman this woman chris she's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. She's got oh, white aren't they skin all in every and one white of these and books? green hair, and she's wearing oh. a golden breastplate and like red skirt. But on the cover of the book, they change that to 
red thong? Because... Yeah, you know, that's what a skirt is. It just covers the, the only one area. Yeah, a skirt is actually a G-string. That's Oh, yeah, and like 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 every other woman in every sci-fi thing, they're so beautiful. They're the most beautiful thing in the world. Oh, my God, you guys, I can't believe oh, and you, guess I want to put it in her so bad. And guess what? Right when you decide you want to put it in her... She's getting attacked, and you get to save her. Oh, oh man! Oh, convenient. I look so cool and nice by yeah. shooting these snake men with ray guns that render them to ash. Yeah, which he found. By the way, the, the Nazis ship. had a ray gun on the ship. Yeah, I, because yeah. reasons. I don't know. And you know, and somehow he hits the snake man, and he doesn't like disintegrate the girl and end up sleeping with the snake man because that would have made for a far more interesting story. I'm just oh, I saved you. Uh, well, I saved you from that woman, so you have to sleep with me now, snake man. Yeah, like it would have been much cooler if it was like, oh no. I guess I have to. I, that's the intergalactic rule. <laughs> that's my snake man impression. I know it. Like I know a good place. Um, so anyway, yeah, so, and of course she's, she literally collapses in his arms in, in uh-huh. like a damsel in distress, like, oh, sir, whatever would I have done without your help? And of course he understands her. Um, because the helmet. Because he's still wearing the helmet and like, no, so yeah. by the way, the language stuff works even if, if you take the helmet off because you just have to put it on once and listen to someone and it works forever. Wait, what? Is that a thing? Yeah, that he happens? takes the helmet off multiple times throughout the book. Oh, wow. The story, I totally and he forgot. still understands stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just. And also, how would the helmet know how to translate an alien language it's never heard before? Those Nazis were really great. That German They're engineering, really let me tell you, yeah. buddy. Yeah, you ever own a Volkswagen, man? I'll tell you. They'll <laughs> fucking drive you to space. Yeah. Um, anyway, so but... she's she's this. Her name's Elekina. And she's like, thank you, Erasmus. By the way, who the fuck is named Erasmus? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. I love how his name was Erasmus O'Brien. Like, yeah. what? Oh, this is the part. This is funny because she starts telling him about, like, the area that he's in. And uh, Howie Bentley just really wanted you to know all the cool planet names he made up because oh he God. describes and the, all the names. She gives you the whole solar system rundown. So here's the paragraph. Uh... What is Ron Krath? Erasmus interrupted. Ron Krath is the solar system in which we live. Elekaina glanced at Erasmus. <laughs> Wait, we live in Ron's crotch? That sucks. Yeah, Ron's <laughs> crotch is the galaxy that we live in. Elekaina glanced at Erasmus, then set her sight back on her aerial course. Ron Krath is comprised of 11 planets. Targathis, the planet we inhabit. Sigtrith, Talmuliani, Talfagus, <laughs> Organ Pra, Stragus Tharn, the witch planet, Godundra, that's a good one, Thorksvar, Gorn Und Ork, and Poon Grail. So, so here's by the, the thing. way, Chris. That's, I'm not done. I'm not done. Our sun, by, in case you wanted to know, is Cracker Roll, and our twin moons are Roll and Axa. So thanks for that, Howie. Um, I'm so... really glad you came up with fucking Borpulon 5 and Sigtith number 4. Like, No, Chris, you... Chris, you've just been doing the dating game wrong. Like, when a guy saves me from Snake Men... And I'm swooning under his masculine prowess. I tell him about our solar system. You know, that's the first thing I do. I say, you want to let him know oh, where they are. We are on, we are on the planet of Earth, and the other planet in the solar system, 
the solar system. There's <laughs> yeah. Mars and Mercury. And uh, Venus you're from Pluto. Mars. I'm from Venus. Oh, and then, um, I mean, poor Pluto. It used to be a planet, and now it's not, even though it's still there. And Uranus, and, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, we have a moon, and it's called Moon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're real creative <laughs> no. like that over here on Earth. Like, I just, God, I just, yeah, like, why would that be your fucking... Like what? Ugh, God. Anyway, anyway, I just love that how he had to like make sure he showed you all the names he made up. Oh, and I just hate. God forbid he he doesn't let you know about Gatharka Sigtrapia <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I mean, and he does the same like horrible job with names of characters. Like at one point, the character names are like inseparable and unintelligible. Like you you were saying the same. You told me that, and I was like, yeah, I had the same problem where I couldn't remember any of the like cat names and then the other people because they all started with t's and it was really confusing i don't know here's here's some names that that we've got for you there's uh elekina erasmus o'brien sangtara colbrax atius tharg turtha stark tanuth uh magnus gun nag gaina uh, that that's the only ones I'm I'm well, grabbing right now. Well, the Nag Gaina are like the Snake Men. That's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he he like goes back to the city that Elakina is apparently a slave in to the the queen of the city. That's Sangtara, by the way. Yeah. By the way, they're called Thalparians. <sighs> yeah, and of course, like you said, you know, conveniently, this is a planet on which erasmus o'brien can breathe like it's meant the atmosphere is amenable to humans also oh there's other humanoid creatures here not just snake men like i don't know it's yeah and yeah they go and back it- and she's like oh no i'm a slave to my queen who used to be cool it used to be cool being her slave when she was cool queen but now she's addicted to these fucking mushrooms i was harvesting when i got attacked by those snake men and that sucks real bad. I really wish she wasn't addicted to those mushrooms, but uh, yeah, like. <sighs> so as soon as they get into town, Erasmus wants to take Elekina away, so he starts zapping guards that try to take her away, and then he's like, "Take me to your leader, I guess, because I'm gonna zap everyone else if you yeah, don't." Yeah, dude. He just gets there and starts murdering people. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? You're on an alien planet. You just crash landed here. You don't have any way to get away. Like, at this point, he doesn't know that they have the triathium, triath, fucking triathlete crystals. Paris, trithium. Trithium. What? I I just want to be dead. They don't have the triathlon crystals. Yeah. They don't have the triathlete butt plugs. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's like, what are you going to do, dude? Like, I just can't imagine any reasonable character in any story just being like, Oh yeah, I'm just gonna walk in there and start blasting people in the skull. Like, what? well, you see, because Elakina was a slave and he had to free her to probably get laid, so he has to just start zapping fools that are trying to, yeah, so you know, then, maintain her slave status. So then they end up in this. He ends up in this weird like, uh. It's like a battle arena slash dinner. I guess he like has the gun with him at all times, and he's just like, okay, uh, I guess we could sit down to dinner and watch a nice gladiator fight while yeah, I have well, a hostage in front Sang- of me. Because Sangtara, Sang- Sang- is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, 
she tries to do some kind of mind control on him and it doesn't work because he's the special hero i don't know why just doesn't work on him and everyone's like oh your mind control does not work sangtara and she's like oh no and so they oh no my gorpulox muscles aren't working i didn't do my gorpulox kegels the the fifth Um, moon of beppo isn't in in repose And so uh, they p- kind of pretend to have a truce with him because he's like, you guys aren't the aren't the enemy. It's those damn snake men. Yeah. Let's us humans kill all those snake men. It's whacking day. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. whacking day. Oh, oh whacking day. Oh, fuck. I forgot how it goes. That's really it. Damn it. <laughs> oh, no. Yesterday I sang much of. The uh, Planet of the Apes, the musical with uh, <laughs> Troy McClure. Uh, <laughs> I sang that with uh, one of my friends when we were playing D and D last night because we were fighting apes and we just both started going for it and it was great. Um, Amazing. Yeah, so it was really sad that I can't remember the lyrics to Whacking Day. Anyway, um, yeah, so like they pretend to have a truce and they're like, "Yeah, you're right. I mean, those snake men are capturing, enslaving, and uh, and like continually raping our women to produce." snake humans so yeah you're right we should address the snake crisis i think (laughs) that's what's happening the reason was so like the snakes wanted to interbreed with humans so they could walk upright better or something even though they seem to be doing just fine so all right so those of you who play DD out there or who have maybe ever played a fantasy video game of any kind um this book seems to be at least racially inspired by um the yon t in the DD universe um, and then the, uh, what are the cat people? The tabaxi? Is that what they're called? Yeah. That's, so, uh, depends on what edition you're talking. Yeah. But, uh, the Yanti are like, you know, lizard snake people in the D&D universe. And they have three forms, right? They have like, um, I forget what they're called, but there's some that are like very humanoid. Uh, Terrible book club for your deep D&D lore. I mean, hey. But no, but I'm just saying because, like, that's clearly where he's deriving this. It's kind of like sure. he he made the... And so, like, the Yanti have, like, uh, a version of themselves that are, like, uh, very humanoid. Then there's the ones that are, like, top half human, lower half snake. And then there's the third kind that are, like, just snake monsters. And they think yep. the snake monsters are, like, the the, like, highest form. But these are, like, the reverse of that. Like, in this book... They're like, oh, no, we want to become more humanoid because they think that uh, they say they were cursed. And then this is another D&D thing where I feel like he kind of took the lore behind um, the uh, the little bird people, the little raven people. Um, I played one. God, what are they called? I forget what they're called. Uh, too. Even, but they're, even my D&D nerd, nerdery is failing me right now. I know. But they're little raven people. And he basically took their story because their story is that, like, they... Um, they were cursed by their god for hubris, and so they can't speak their own words. They can only mimic, and they can't fly anymore. And so for these snake people, it's like, oh, you know, you we're taking away your good, like, humanish body. And so they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know why. They're like, let's kidnap humans and rape them. And it's like, I, I don't know. So that's sure, why the snake people works, are you guys. evil. I, I don't know how snake science works, but it seems... Real rough on my end. Yeah, and then, like, eventually when they get to, like, the snake breeding concentration camps or whatever, um, 
they're like we're skipping over a whole lot here because that's like the end of the of this story it's 75 we, we were talking pages about the, i don't care well, okay well, they were in gladiator fights and oh, then yeah. uh, erasmus gets stunned by the general because he had a snake man weapon that can stun you and then they for, uh, pretty much nothing happens you're right they just kind of go after the snake people eventually for some reason i don't remember even how and then, like, the fucking Space Puss in Boots gets involved, and I don't remember, like, when that Oh, he was fighting in the gladiator things, and and uh, Erasmus and the, the Puss in Boots guy, whose name is Tharg Tanath, Tarja Tarunin, or I don't know yeah. what, you know. <laughs> Tarja Tarunin, singer for Nightwish, also a cat mercenary. Yeah, um, they, they, they reach a deal as they, they're being pitted against each other in the gladiator pits and they so they fight the guards and they escape together and they decide to uh attack the snake people because the cat guy wants to kill the snake emperor for killing someone he someone on his planet was killed by snake people and so he has to murder like the entire snake race or something yeah he's on this crazy like you know eye for an eye quest basically and he's going after every person who ever killed a cat person and but he just somehow got captured on this planet i don't know he like fucked it up. seems a real rough gig to be the one person on your pl- your cat planet that has to go kill all of the other snake people that killed anyone <laughs> yeah. On your- yeah and by the way i call him space puss in boots because he's described as being a humanoid cat man like covered in fur with small tusks which is weird a weird detail but he's wearing a vest and boots like a leather vest and boots so he just looks like fucking puss in boots i guess he has like, does that mean he has no pants on right oh yeah no he, so no pants just cat just dog cat is just dick? hanging out yeah just, cat dicks just hanging out there i guess yeah. they're, they're like barbed right you can use that as a weapon yeah, they are. Uh, but yeah, it's so a book like, club. Cat dicks. <laughs> no, but it's just like, like if you're gonna make a cool cat fighter with tusks, like why are you putting him in a vest and booties? Like that's just yeah. weird. Like, oh, he's so cute. Look at him. He's got his little boots on. No, he's a ruthless killer and cool sidekick. <laughs> like, ugh. oh, but he's so cute with this vest. Oh, he looks so cute. Oh, Let's look, he picture. likes. You know what he likes? He likes a dish of milk after a kill. Let's get him. Some milk. Yeah. <laughs> no, he likes him. a big. He likes. He wants a nice big cup of Glax, <laughs> uh, which is a drink that I keep mentioning from I this thing. Even, I didn't remember that like that's i remember that so much because when i read it i was like you just 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 call it like something you don't have to call everything a weird alien thing yeah everything has weird names uh yeah i don't know they go after the snake people and then they find them like trying to breed with women in giant water tanks i don't do snakes they're have also to breed just in water? Straight, i don't they're understand doing, they're doing regular weird sex stuff because they walk into like a snake rape orgy room but then Ugh. there's also a tube room yeah i i None of this makes any sense. So I don't know if the if the if the wrestling with the ladies on the floor was just like for funsies before they put you in the snake inseminators or whatever. Yeah, I, I have no fucking idea. And of course they get there right. Oh, sorry, the in- inseminators is probably the better way to say it. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, gotta get that. Gotta get that sibilance. Um, yeah. So of course they get there like right as Elakine is about to get you know snake boned. And they pull her out of the tank, and they fucking kill everybody, and 
Zappo, by the way, no snake man can ever shoot to hit any main character. No, no. But they're all reduced to... It's only like in a sentence. It's like, and then the snake man shot and he missed, but then Erasmus shot and he killed two of them. Then he shot again and he, he reduced three other snake men to ashes. Yeah. That it's... is the, the, the pace of every action scene is the snake man shot, but then Erasmus shot better. He's such a shooty guy. Yeah, the, the writing is real bad and it's... Yeah, like I was saying, I was hoping that this was like intentionally terrible, but I don't think that that was. And it makes me, I don't know, it makes me feel kind of bad because like the author, you know, is in a band that I think is good and I like, and it's just like, sorry, dude, but this don't write fantasy books, just don't do it. Write your music; it's way better than this. <laughs> I want a full concept album about every single planet. In this solar system, if I don't have, like, the journeys of Ron Krath from <laughs> Thorxvar to Corbcopulon... The journey of Ron Krath. Yeah, I will be very upset. Yeah, I... I, I, want, I want a whole song dedicated to Glax and its recipe. Yeah, I mean, it'd be more interesting than this book, honestly. Um, and so... And that's pretty much the end. Like, they... they oh, yeah, they, they, they discover the plot that, like... Uh, the general was in Corpius league with the snake Glax people. or Atticus Rex or whatever his name was. Cablux Atius. Atius, thank you. They find out that Atius was in cahoots with the snake people, and he was the one who got the queen saying whatever Tara uh, addicted to those loopy mushrooms, uh, and they were. Uh, he was trying to like bone down with her eventually like that was going to be his like prize or whatever because men are only motivated by eternal lust um and every man in this book is motivated by either the desire to kill or fuck that's the only thing that they are capable of thinking and all women are really there for is to be set dressing and also to be fucked eventually by something yep and that is all. Um, so that's that story, and it was <laughs> yeah. awful. Oh, they and murder then... the sna- I, they murder the snake emperor somehow. He's like oh, yeah. a fat snake somehow. And then they just and then just like the last story, the hero and the girl just ride off into the space sunset. Like I, uh... Erasmus, like he turns to Tarja Turun and the cat person, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, aren't you the prince of that your planet? Actually, why don't we put you back on the throne?" And then the the cat guy uh, smiles to himself, and that's the end. Oh, suggesting yeah, that right. there might be a sequel to it, this. Yeah, somewhere. that's right. It sets it up for a sequel. Oh, that's right. They're like, yeah, we're gonna go take over the cat planet, and the cat man's like, yeah, we are. And like they, he tries to paint the cat man as like a, I don't know, like a fucking Han Solo sidekick or something. Like, oh, he's kind of cheeky, and oh, he's always into adventure, and he's a real good killer, and he loves eating big pieces of meat, and like, oh, it's just so bad. <laughs> and that's pretty much all there is to that story. I know we didn't like really say much besides guy lands on planet, he's taken to the gladiator fight, I mean, he's a cat guy, what happens. and then he goes and murders the snake emperor. That's literally the beats of this <laughs> So thing. bad. And like, so yeah, so you're looking at this book and you're like, all right, this is about Nazis killing snake men, but like, it's not though. It's actually about how snake men are also Nazis. And a- Why do the Nazis have to be involved at all? He could have just I found a UFO randomly yeah, or whatever. Like you literally didn't need that whole, I-, I think he only gave him the military backstory to be like, yeah, he's the best shooter ever. Yeah, he can shoot stuff. He's a military guy. He's like an expert at survival and fighting. And it's like. Best shoot. Best uh, shoots. Yeah. I have no idea why the Nazis were involved. I think that's just because people are into Nazis. I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I guess they are. Uh, 
and that that's that's pretty much it for this double feature here. Yeah, double feature but, of fucking garbage. So bad. And some poor sci-fi author got pulled out of his grave to have to stand next to this <laughs> like, yeah, like... shoddily put together homunculus of a story. <laughs> like I mean it was definitely so I think it's a cool idea to have uh, a book with two short stories that, you know, you kind of, like, get two covers, you flip it over, you read another one, cool. And it was a smart strategy by Howie Bentley to print his crap story with another one written by a more well-known author who's dead, so it was probably easy to, like, get the rights to publish this. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely a smart move on his part, but he also could have picked, like, Maybe he didn't want to pick, like, a really good story because he wanted to make sure his story had, like, a chance. So he was like, oh, I'm going to pick one of Henry's, like, low-grade stories. This uh, was reprinted with the permission of Don Congdon Associates. So whoever Don Congdon is, yeah, he, he, he owns, owns the, the, the stuff. It might be Kuttner's maybe wife's family. I don't know, because she, she had a different name from him. It wasn't, it wasn't like Nancy Kuttner. It was like, I don't know, she had a different name that she wrote under and stuff. Well, um, somehow Don Congdon has the rights to this. Yeah, so... Woof. Um, yeah, Lands of the Earthquake had some cool ideas, but it just, like, wasn't really thoroughly... It, it, it uh, took a turn as soon as the city, the Sorcerer City became the setting, because yeah. all the creepy, weird stuff happening at the castle was cool and riveting, and I wanted to know more about it. Yeah. And the only neat thing about the Sorcerer City was then. Yeah. Which, which unfortunately... We're not really see- they only appear in the story twice. Um, at the no three times at the top when he first comes into the world, the huntsman is like kind of yeah, like they're, yeah. they're tangentially there. They walk through the streets that one time the girl saves them the first time. Yep. And then at the end when um uh, a wraith and the oracle. By the way, the oracle was like summoned from the castle because uh to, to I forget how, they, but like she actually know. walked out of the castle to come all the way to the Sorcerer City that one time. But uh, Irath then also calls them over, and so they're, like, all up in the throne room where this was all going down at the end. And then they just leave when the Oracle tells them to. So they went all the way over there, and they had to just turn right back around before oh, they got really? what they want. I, I yeah. didn't even remember that. Oh, by they the were way, like, the reason Irath, the Oracle Irath, uh, goes to the city is the, is the power of love. It's, it's Yeah, the power of course, of love. naturally. That's, that, yeah. that's always what it is. You know, Fifth Element, the Fifth Element's a really good movie, and that's, it's about the power of love, and that was way more fun than this. I, I just think that this, I don't know, the story has Paris, a lot of Paris, I just want you to think about being an otherworldly being that other smaller beings can't even look at you without going mad, and then one day, you and your buddies get the call from these people that something's about to go down, you better get over here. So you and your buddies, you get your bells <laughs> together, you get your weird non-faces on, and you're like, I don't know, your tendrils in, yeah. in their weird areas, and you go slithering all the way across the, the lands of, like, by the way, the lands are always changing, so it's not like you can, like, Google Maps it, because because it's just weird all the time. Yeah. So you all slither all the way to the source for shitty, all the way up into the throne room, and then all of a sudden they're just like, nah, our bad, just go back. Yeah, but you're not a human creature, so you probably don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> like It seems yeah, like a real bother I, for them. Uh, a real know, hassle for them. I want more stories about they and them. I want more stories about these cool shifting lands. I don't want any more stories where the hero gets lucky constantly and then gets lucky in the pants. Like, I'm just so tired of reading stories like this, and that's why I think I find these so fucking bad, because it's like, oh, man, 
this male protagonist it just gets swept up from his regular life and put into this fantastical situation where he's basically considered like some kind of savior oh and also he gets uh he just steps into uh it, like of the perfect relationship and in falls in this lady falls in love with him immediately and he wins everything and every all the coincidences work out in his favor and then he leaves and does whatever he wants theory for you what 75 percent of all fantasy novels are about magic pussy i mean that's accurate <laughs> just all at least 75 percent of all fantasy yeah. novels involve some kind of magic vagina in them yeah, I mean that's like that's my new Bechdel test, I guess. Dude, Just... I mean that that's like a problem in that's a problem kind of in all books, but yeah, sci-fi and fantasy suffers from the same shit. It's like we've talked about this on the show before. It's like not every story has to have a romantic subplot or a main plot, and I just feel like everyone just wants every story to have that. And it's just so tired. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to read about two characters falling in love. I don't. It's not interesting. I yeah, she's oh, you guys, but she's so beautiful, you guys. Let me tell you about how pretty this one lady was. Like uh, face, like pow, of uh, figure, like bam, and it's uh, just every time, every yep. time they yep. can't all just. Yep. It's I get just, it. I yeah. get it. There's other things to talk about. Believe me, I like a good, good-looking person. I yeah, like, sure. I, I, that's fine and great, and everyone can appreciate that. But can, can we talk about something else? There's so many books out there. Can we please yeah, talk about something and, else? I, I, mean, I mean, and I don't want the inverse of that. I don't want the heterosexual version of that. I don't want the trans version of or homosexual version. I don't want the trans version. I don't want no, just none of it. Just get it out of my life. I don't. I just want an interesting sexless story. literature only. Uh, yes. I mean, because it's so hard to find that. How many books have we read for this show where we have not had to read about a relationship? I can think of one. Um, Probably in the Justin Bieber one. Oh, yeah, because that was like a coffee table book. <laughs> yeah. Um, Aeon Legion is the only one I can think of off the top of my head. It's one of the reasons that I was like, I actually don't hate this book totally. It was because it did not have a romantic subplot, and it was fantastic as a result. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of all the other stuff we went through, and they pretty much all have some. Oh, you know of... what? I can just pull up our Goodreads because. Uh... Did Holy Cow have a romantic subplot? Uh, I don't think it did. That one didn't. Um, well, it it kind of did at the beginning, but it went away. So I would say it actually didn't. Um, yeah. Wow. Sorry, David Duchovny. I owe you sort of an apology. I mean, your books <laughs> yeah. still suck, but like you need to send him a, 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 a tweet that. immediately. <laughs> Sorry about that. Be like, what are you? What? What is this? Yeah, because like, all right, all right. We got first book we did was Glenn Beck, The Overton Window. That had a romantic subplot. Uh, Marked was all stupid teenage romance. That was, yeah, that was Wizard, all that. Wizard's first rule was number three. That's yep, super, super. That <laughs> Justin Bieber was the fourth one. That that didn't have it just because yeah, it was kind of like a coffee table book. He talks about liking girls. Yeah. Um, and then the fifth book we read was straight up a sex book. It was called Midnight Sins. Oh, yeah. And I, that's one of the lost episodes as well. Um, and then Wild Animus also had a romantic subplot. The worst one. Yep. Confessions of a Shopaholic had a romantic, uh, I think it did, right? Had it a romantic did. subplot, yeah. Left Behind did? Yep. There was yep. some people that were into each other. The Art of Racing in the Rain did. No, because the, the woman the, the, dies, right? Yeah, yeah. So that one did and although i think they referenced 
the wife. Um, Irene Idsley. I don't even remember what that book was about. Yeah, me neither. There was definitely some marriage stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, no. Marriage. You're right. Yeah, there was there was some romantic shit. Uh, Who Moved My Cheese for Teens that we read with <laughs> Greg. That did not have a romantic subplot. True. Um, Maradonia did uh, The World Unseeing by Tamara Wilding. I'll never forget I, that one because that was the I one that... I completely forgot that one. Dude, I have no memory of that. <laughs> that author asked us to read her book. I have no memory of anything in that book. Yeah, that author asked us to, to read her book, be, and I think she just didn't understand like what we did. I think she thought the terrible book club meant like... Oh, we're a bad book club, not like a book club for bad books. So we were like, fine, fuck it, we'll read your shit. And it turned out to be so much worse than we thought. Oh, um, yeah. It was just like this weird self-published, uh, really short ebook, And it was like, it was some fantasy shit, but it didn't, it literally made no I sense. I forgot everything, yeah, every I don't, last word. I don't remember the rest of it, but it was real bad. It definitely belongs with uh, Under a Dim Blue Sun. Yeah, um, and then, then let's, let's comb through the rest here because we've been going kind of long. Uh, then we read also another literal sex book, When an Alpha Purrs, about having sex with a lion man. That was all about romance. Moon people did, did actually have a romantic subplot somehow. Somehow, Trump, the art of the deal. No, I mean he talks about that he has a wife. I forget what wife he was on at that point. I don't really want to read a Trump um, romantic subplot. So sleeping with the fishes was also all romantic shit. Holy cow, actually didn't. It's neither did Aeon Legion. Holy cow, only did like at the beginning when Elsie was like into the bulls, and then but then that was like over. Yeah. Um, Dark Star did. Murder Gone Awry did. Monster Hunter International did. Stone of Tears did. Ho Tactics was about real life romance. Awful. Melody's Marvelous Measles didn't, but that's because it's, yeah. it's to convince <laughs> yeah. children to die of diseases. So, like, three or four <laughs> books so far. <laughs> um, Audubon's Watch, also romantic. You Suck, also romantic. Dragon Prince, romantic. John Edward crossing over, not really. I mean, he has a wife There's that a he mentions. There's a lot of, like, oh, your husband or something like that. Yeah. So, technically, sure, yes, the power of love is, yeah. a, is a facet. Swamplandia, I wouldn't call it Let's romance. Let's not call that a romantic subplot, please. Yeah, no. Uh, Chakra Crystal, Seven Books and Kit by Kate Tomas. Yeah. Did not have a romantic subplot, but I think it teaches you how to get one in your life. Um, sure, maybe a little bit. Yeah, and then these two both did as well. So I guess there's actually a couple, but Four I mean... Four or five, I think. Yeah, but most of them out of 32 books. Uh, yeah, out of 32 books... You know, 30... three of which were nonfiction, right? Three of which were nonfiction. It's like, you know, it's it's kind of a thing that people just can't stop doing. Oh man, so yeah, so uh, this double feature book, um, till lands of the earthquake and under a dim blue sun. I would not recommend this. I would say do not read this. Um, it's probably highly unlikely that you Maybe would. Maybe Henry Cutner has another better one. Yeah, I you know I actually was um I did you know because I. I immediately looked him up because I knew who the other author was um, and, you know, was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, but then it turned out not to be. Looked up Kuttner and was pleasantly surprised and was like, oh, man, his story is probably going to be pretty good. But, yeah, I was looking at his list of works and Lands of the Earthquake is, like, way at the bottom. So I'm thinking maybe this isn't the most representative uh, piece from his uh his repertoire 
Um, so, yeah, I'd be willing to give Cutner another shot. Um, Howie Bentley, though, man, I don't know what you're doing. Like, no offense, dude. Like, love your music. Love it. It's great. Just keep doing that. Like, I don't know. Don't write this stuff. Or if you do write it, just, like, don't make other people read it. Like, just write it in your room. Just keep it to yourself, man. Yep, I don't really have anything more to say about this stuff, so let's do the usual wrap-up, I suppose. Yeah. Thank you, everyone that is listening. And, you know, leave a comment on some post somewhere on all the (laughs) social media avenues we're trying to use to get the word out. Yeah, so, um, so if you, you know, it's cool if you leave us a review on iTunes or somewhere, wherever you listen to these things. Yeah, please, please do that. Um, I just set up an Instagram for us. Uh, it's just Terrible Book Club on Instagram, so... Please uh, follow us on there. I, I po- I've been posting as many of our old episode links um, as I can. I've been putting out a uh, <clears throat> a story a day of an of an old episode, and one you know I'll I'll also put up new ones as they happen. But um, I didn't know how to use the stories because <laughs> I am apparently an old grandma. Um, so that was a fun ride. Uh, yeah, I uh, so I'm gonna be putting stuff up on there. Um. So two two thank yous I would like to do. One, thank you to Matt and Tariq's Terrible Book Club. Uh, so these guys started a podcast also sort of called Terrible Book Club, but it's a very different concept. They're actually doing like a horror um, radio drama about an evil book. So like, that's cool. Uh, but they had the Terrible Book Club handle on Instagram and I was like, oh, fuck. So I messaged them in, like, a last-ditch effort, like, thinking I was going to get ignored or laughed at. But they actually gave it to us. And they were really oh. nice about it. So, like, so Such nice guys. gentlemen. Thank you. So, Matt and Tar- Tariq, uh, thank you for doing that. It was really nice of you to not, like, be a dick about it uh, or be dicks, plural, about it. Um, their show's pretty cool. Like I said, it's a, it's like a weird audio like modern audio drama about an evil book uh so it's it's kind of off the wall which i like it sounds like an original idea so uh give them a listen i think that they are i think they're on instagram as matt and Tariq, and then you can find them by looking up like matt and Tariq's terrible book club or whatever um so it's a very different concept from us but it's cool and thank you to those guys for for being uh being cool cool dudes about giving us our instagram handle um and secondly, thanks to Antiques Freaks. So I talked about them on the last episode. Uh, my friend D-Ray and her friend Ken do this podcast about antiques and stuff. Uh, it's really super funny. Um, and they actually talked about us on their last episode, which I didn't know they were going to do. So, uh, oh, neat, thanks. I should listen to that. Yeah, just, so thanks, thanks be Ken. Be narcissistic. And, yeah, thanks, Ken and D-Ray. That was, uh, was really nice, you guys. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. Uh, Chris does, too, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, thanks. I and, uh, I'm here. I can say that. I'm an, I have agency. <laughs> no, you don't, Chris. You're Shit. wearing a gold breastplate and a tiny... Oh, uh, again? <laughs> Shit. Yeah, sorry, Chris. You just keep getting typecast. Like, get that bikini armor, you just can't get out of it. I um, showed up to this audition thinking it would be a classy thing, and hold on, I just keep ending up in metal bikinis every time. I know. Every time. I know, man. The industry's rough. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, and I guess... Is that oh, what yeah. it's going to take to get us more followers? Do I have to post those pictures on our Instagram? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sure that would get us more followers. It probably would. I will have to say, like, I took some band photos of Greyborn oh for, my like, God, you know, proper yeah. ones for the first time. Great. And I posted one on our Facebook page. And that is the thing that has gotten the most comments out of anything we've ever posted in four, seven years of existing. Yeah, I will say, I mean, I just started the, the Instagram, like, three days ago, four days ago. And I swear to God, we've gotten more interaction on there than in like the three years we've been doing this podcast. 
and I was like, oh my god, what have we been doing? We gotta, we gotta get it, get with the times. Um, so yeah, so follow us on Instagram for visual aids to all of our episodes. Uh, you can listen to us on just about any platform, uh, whatever you're listening to now. I'm sure you're going to stick with that. iTunes, um, ooh, sorry. Uh, Podbean, the Blueberry thing. Uh, Radio Public fucking rules. Again, they're not giving me money to say this. I think their app is the best, and I love it. Um, they're also from around here, so yeah, supporting my local shit. Uh, yeah, we're on everything, except for... A, a, a little know. tin can and a string. I think up to your we ear. are. I think we're in a seashell. Like, pick up a <laughs> seashell. You're gonna hear <laughs> no. terrible book club. We are fucking in your ear. Um, we're, we're not actually fucking your yeah, ears. Yeah, no, uh, we're not doing that in anyone's ears. Please, oh, please, no. It's really, it's really hard to fit in there. First of all. Oh wow. Sorry, everyone. Um. Oh yeah. Also. So thanks to Dari, our patron. Yeah, that, you know, uh, after that note, that's, to, this to, is what you're supporting. This throw, is what you're paying money for. And wanted, others should, too. Please to, yeah, give so us we, your money. We have a Patreon, so check it out. Um, our reward tiers are really cheap. It's like one, three, four, five, and eight dollars or some stupid shit like that. Like, it's not a lot, so it's less than... Way less than ten dollars a month. Uh, we have a goal just... of twenty five a month. That's basically <laughs> and what we're, we're trying to do. We're not even meeting that. So <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean We gotta whatever. put out better content. We're trying. Yeah, Some things dude, are in the in the pipeline. We've been on a fucking tear. This is we've been putting out an episode a week the last three weeks. What is going on? I guess I'm really bored. How did either of us neither of us are bored? Like how no, do we're either plenty of us busy. Have time? That's a joke. Yeah, it's Anyway, so we've been we've been pumping out the episodes. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to keep doing that, but I don't, I don't know how much we can uh, continue. Um, we're not sure what our next book would be. It might be uh, a book about a shellfish, and that is all I'll say. Yeah, we'll um, leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so Dari, thanks for being our patron. But uh, Dari apparently like changed her name on social media, and she was actually the person who had left those comments. So, like, I thought they were new comments I had never seen before, and it actually just turned out to be Dari, so it was not... one fan. It was not... Thank you for being our one. (laughs) Yeah, so I was like... Yeah, my first thought was like, Apparently this is all for you. (laughs) Just every week you have these two people read shitty books for you. Dude, she's not 500 people a month. I I know, I'm not making a joke. But she's the one that interacts with us the most, and therefore the most real. Yeah, oh my god, what if... What if she is? Oh, no. We've uncovered the plot. <laughs> no, I know she isn't, because, like, there's this guy, uh, Robert Kennedy. He's been he's been following us for a long time. He's actually the, the guy who saved our Maradonia episode, which I still have to put up again. Sorry, everyone. We just don't have a lot of space every month, because we can't afford to bump it up. So give us some more Patreon money. Um, there's also some fun content on the Patreon, so um, check that out. Uh yeah, I think that's all I got. I don't remember. I feel like I'm gonna yeah, that, I'm gonna forget. That's it for me too. We've been yeah. we've been going on long enough. Let's let's wrap this one up and throw it out the door. <laughs> yeah, let's never speak of these stories again. All right, well that's that's it for me. Uh, I'll see you next time for another some kind of awful book about with a romantic subplot somehow in it. Fish and romance yeah. coming up next. Yeah. All right, <laughs> uh, catch you later, Paris. All right.